0: Hello and welcome to COVID Stories, a podcast series regarding leadership following the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, Dallas Emerson, Director of Business Development at the IT Guys. Before we get started, these interviews were conducted during the COVID lockdown and were held over Microsoft Teams. Any sound quality issues are the result of social distancing that we're all too familiar with. If you're listening on our site, we're thrilled to have you, but you might find it easier to listen to COVID stories through iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Joining me today is Brian Wilsford, Senior Manager of IT at the Dallas HR Management Association. I also want to take this moment to apologize for any thunder listeners may hear. We are recording during a thunderstorm. How are you doing, Brian?
1: I'm doing good. How are you?
0: Doing just fine. So this is something I ask all of the people I've been talking to just to kind of open things because I I want to get an idea of where the association world was in relation to the COVID-19 outbreak. When did you first know that something was going to have to change or when did you know that this wasn't just a bad flu season?
1: I think it was uh March 16th is when we made the decision to go ahead and um, work remote. And, uh, so March 17th is when we started working remote. We knew probably, a you know, a week or two before that, that it was getting more serious. And, um, so that's when we kind of made the decision to move remote with all our employees.
0: March 16th. I think that's about the time I'm in Austin. I think that's about the time that, uh, our County, or counties here, uh, put a shelter in place order. Did y'all have something similar about that time?
1: Yeah, I believe so. And we've kind of been going by that. Um, I think there, as far as the Dallas judge that makes the decision on, you know, stay at home information.
0: Right. So I don't know about you. I've been feeling like in some of the conversations I'm having with Association leaders that there's been a mentality shift away from just get through today to okay, we need to start planning about the future. Have you seen something similar in your organization or other organizations you're aware of?
1: Uh, well, definitely have seen that. We, we typically plan ahead because of just the way our association works. But, of course, with the pandemic atmosphere, it's definitely emphasized the need to, you know, plan ahead differently. I'll put it that way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like all the plans that we try to make nowadays always have an asterisk after them, just kind of saying unless something changes. Right. Something along the lines of what you're seeing.
1: Right. That is correct.
0: And so no one knows exactly what tomorrow or next week or next month will look like. We all agree that life in business, however, is not going to return to a pre-COVID normal, or at least not for quite a while. So what specifically do you see changing for your organization moving forward?
1: Well, there's two aspects to that, I think. One is kind of our internal workings. Uh, we've already... Been working on a, uh, establishing a new list of rules and protocols for working in the office, uh, when we get back together. Um, matter of fact, next week we are planning to, um, go back to the office in kind of a part-time way with, you know, staff kind of alternating when they come in. Um, and then we have all the rules in place about, you know, not going into the offices and, you know, you can imagine all the other different rules that we'll we'll have there. Um, and then, you know, our organization basically offers uh, small and medium education and networking events uh, throughout the year. You know, so every week we're doing, you know, up to, you know, maybe one to three or four different events. And some of those are internal in our office and some of those are at different locations outside of our office. And so I know that those kind of things will change. And of course we've been going virtual. We did that immediately kind of after this hit of going virtual with all of our, you know, planned meetings that we had, some we had to cancel, some we rescheduled to a virtual meeting. Um, so and then the last thing I think I would mention is that we have a large conference that we put on every year called the HR Southwest Conference in the fall. And so that definitely will will be changed in in various ways as well and we've already been working on that. We we have basically plan A, B, C and D because we don't know at this point whether we will still have that in-person conference or if it will be half in-person and half virtual or if it will be full virtual or if we'll have to cancel it altogether. Those are kind of all on the table right now that we're kind of working through because again, a, a spike could happen and we could get another ruling from a judge to shut everything back down. So we have to kind of be prepared for those kind of things.
0: Right. So, OK, there's a couple of questions I want to ask. Uh, first thing I want to say or ask about is what has your attendance been like in those kind of rapidly virtualized events? I see some people say, oh, it's been great. Some people are saying, oh, you know, it's terrible. What is what has your experience been so far with those uh, virtualized events?
1: I think a few have been a little low, but for the most part, uh, a lot of the events have been high. And so we've gotten a lot of good, positive feedback. Um, You know, we're in the human resource uh, domain as far as, you know, our association. So it's interesting that that area of human resources kind of relies on the same thing that we're, you know, kind of going through. And so that relates very well. And so we've had to kind of How are your staff working from home and and what what do you have to offer them now? So we kind of go through the same thing and try to offer them, you know, education and even networking events that still can apply in these different times that we're kind of going through right now.
0: Okay, and my next question was uh, when normally in the best of times, when about does your big uh, conference take place?
1: So the large annual conference is usually in October or at least around the fall each year.
0: Okay. And so, of course, that's along the time frame that everybody's worried, okay, we might see the spike or maybe things will be a lot better. So that makes total sense that y'all are uh, on the alert about where things are going to be. Right. So for your organization, I know you're the senior IT manager there, how did the transition from remote, or from uh, working in the office to working remotely go? Um,
1: I think it went really well. We had a lot of things going for us, which is, um, one, we had already been uh kind of training staff to work remote occasionally. And so that was one aspect that really helped us because staff was kind of used to somewhat working remote occasionally. And then the other aspect is, um, we have all of our applications and our um and platforms are in the cloud so we really you know didn't have anything in our office that we needed and we could work virtually anywhere so that really we were lucky uh to have kind of all that in place and ready to go once this this uh, pandemic hit
0: yeah it sounds like there's a little bit of uh planning ahead what was the the uh, thought process beforehand of uh, kind of as you said training people to do a little bit of work remotely what was the uh, the driving force behind doing that
1: uh i think the main thing we were thinking about was a little bit of kind of emergency preparedness um and you know just kind of using that um uh for staff to kind of work from home get used to it and so it was kind of a, almost a slow introduction to working remote over the last probably year to year and a half that we started it. So we haven't done that before. And it was just kind of uh we had talked about it and our executive director um kind of got feedback from everybody. And then, you know, we we slowly made that decision to let's go ahead and start kind of alternating here and there um to at least get set up to work remote.
0: I have to say that's pretty impressive. I've spoken with a number of organizations now, and while some had already gone through the process of beginning to work from home, I hadn't talked to anybody who was already thinking about it from a disaster preparedness standpoint. Uh, and I think that kind of goes to something that uh, we at the IT guys talk about a lot, which is disaster recovery versus operational continuity. Uh, You know, keeping the difference being putting the pieces back together when everything, when the dust settles and maintaining normal operations. So it sounds like y'all are already kind of working on an operational continuity plan.
1: Right. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, the IT world is a little different than the business or association world. And I kind of come from both. So I've seen kind of both sides Um, and in my past history working with other organizations and so I always think about that, you know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, if you're going to do it, you need to kind of write the plan out, document it and make sure you kind of covered all your bases because, you know, anything's possible. And here we are today.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about you, um, cause you're in the, you know, we're, we're both kind of in the, uh, both association and IT world. But I've had people ask me the question from the association world, okay, well how can we quickly change things to where we're all remote or all virtual? And generally my answer to them is go back in time and start planning. Uh, have you, have you encountered a similar feeling of, of people who hadn't put the time in to plan like a Dallas HR head?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: The, 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 the planning ahead of time or, or, and what's funny is, like I said, most people weren't planning for this. They were just making general plans, but it's coming in so handy now. Right. Uh, and I think, I think we're going to see a lot of organizations when this, when the dust begins to settle or when we start to go to a new normal of uh, uh, taking it, or I hope we'll see them start taking advantage of a, a rest period to start preparing for the worst case scenario. Right. So, for you personally, and then for your organization uh so it's kind of a, a two parter what was the hardest and the easiest part of the the transition for you?
1: That's kind of a tough question because to be honest, I don't think there was a hard part i mean um, it to me it seemed very smooth um, I think with staff, it was very smooth as well, so on Both parts, I would say it was fairly an easy transition. Um, I think the hardest aspect to that is really as we kind of move down the line and we're now at the current level, we are. The hard part is I think staff wants to just go back. You know, they want to (laughs) go back to the office. It's like, you know, get a little stir crazy and things like that. You know, we're still worried about. You know, we need to be careful and, but you know, it's, it's great to have the staff that we do because, um, I'm going to do a little bragging here, but the staff has been amazing. Uh, they're just an awesome group. You know, they think through things. They're very flexible. And so they can kind of move and groove with the times, if you will. And so it, I think that made it even better as far as easy. Uh, To make the the transition. So uh, at this point, again, it's just more of, hey, let's get back to it and, you know, start getting back to the office and seeing each other and and uh, working together.
0: Yeah. So in some cases, I've talked to some people who say, okay, my organization is now swamped. Our workload is tripled. And in other cases, I talk to people who say we're just twiddling our thumbs most of the day. What's it been like for Dallas H.R.?
1: I definitely feel like it's been busier. Um, That being said, I think, you know, for for my individual workload, it's taken me off of some projects and putting me onto different projects. So it's more of kind of a transition of what we're doing versus, you know, how we're doing it. Uh, So I think that's mainly the and I think that would be mainly for all staff as well. I think. Again, it seems very busy. Um, it's almost like there's not enough time in the day for me, at least that's how I feel. Um, but again, I think staff is kind of the same way. We we just have shifted kind of what we're doing and how we're doing things. And there may be a little bit more research about, hey, we need to kind of figure out this. And uh, that's kind of what we're doing for our conference and for our smaller events because we've had to go virtual, we're kind of especially for our conference since it's so large, um, we have to kind of figure out a way of a good platform that can handle a large volume of, you know, virtual sessions and events that we need to put on. And so that's what we're currently looking at right now is one of the projects at least.
0: So that brings up something. I, I hear a lot from people of how are we going to make this large event virtual? So, how are you coming to what's your decision making process to decide uh, what the best platform is, what the best tools are? What are you, how are y'all approaching that immensely complicated question?
1: Well, um, basically interviewing different vendors and doing demos and seeing um, kind of what they're doing as far as virtualization. We kind of have to be careful because to be honest, there's some vendors out there that have never done virtual stuff before. And now they're, they kind of scrambled and put it together. And now it's like, if I feel like everybody's doing virtual and they're everybody I talked to, all these different vendors, even that we're not interested in are saying, Hey, we can take your conference virtual. And so we don't want to be guinea pigs to somebody kind of just. Starting it up, and so we have to kind of weed out some of those folks. But other than that, it's basically just kind of uh, doing demos right now, trying to figure out which platform would work best for us, and you know what they have to offer, just to make sure that we can take care of our needs.
0: And you had mentioned the potential of a kind of half in person, half online case. What I'm maybe maybe I'm a little bit slow, but I'm having a hard time imagining what would that look like. So could you kind of enlighten me here?
1: <laughs> well, that's a good question. And just remember, I'm on the IT side, so I'm a little bit involved in this, but probably our other staff would be able to answer that more effectively. Um, but I just imagine it being, you know, a way we can still have the conference. And, again, this is kind of, you know, option C for us because we haven't right. made that decision yet, but basically still having to – being able to have the uh, in-person conference and registering people for the in-person conference, but then also having the availability of different uh, educational sessions um, and events, maybe virtual, uh, so people can still sign up for that, even if they're not attending our conference uh, in person.
0: Okay, okay. So it's about making sure that the information is easily accessible, even for those who may be either can't or don't feel comfortable attending a large in-person event. Correct. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. So I know you're on the IT side of things, but how does your organization, how do you set expectations for staff or for members of your organization when we don't really have any timelines? We don't know what, you know, our county judge is going to say we don't know what our what our mayors are going to say we don't know what our governor is going to say how do you how does your staff or you your leadership team how do y'all handle setting expectations for people during this time
1: that's a real good question i think that question is a tough one for everybody at this point um for us i think we just you know continue being proactive and preparing staff as much as possible um you know, our, again, our staff is amazing and flexible and easily acclimates to change. So that helps. Um, but again, we have to kind of go by, you know, what is happening, you know, not today, but in a week, in a month, in two months, um, because, again, we may make a decision on July 1st to go, you know, with our conference as is and in person. But then, say, August or September comes around, and you see a spike, and then judges make decisions, and then you're back at square one. Uh, so we have to kind of basically, again, be proactive, have plan A, B, C, and D in place, and then make sure that you can pivot at a moment's notice if something happens, because it could.
0: <laughs> so it's about establishing lots of contingency plans.
1: I believe so, yes.
0: And how are you and your staff, uh, staying connected? You know, one of the big things I hear uh, a lot about is people feeling isolated or feeling lonely or feeling like they just don't have the same connection with their, uh, coworkers. How are y'all handling that?
1: Well, it's interesting because we, um, as far as like for our members, we have had some virtual networking events that have been really popular. And I know a lot of, organizations and associations are doing um you know virtual you know happy hours or virtual networking events just to kind of keep in contact with each other and so internally we kind of do the same thing and we've had a couple uh you know happy hour events that we set up just so we can kind of see each other's faces and go oh my brian has a beard now that's weird (laughs) you know things like that (laughs) um but I think that has helped. And, um, another thing that's interesting is, you know, we use, uh, the Teams chat, uh, platform from Microsoft. And, you know, every morning you start hearing the pings, you know, around seven thirty or eight, which is, you know, everybody kind of says good morning to each other. Um, sometimes there's some funny things that go on through those chat messages. But, again, I think that helps us kind of keep in contact with each other. We use chat all day long every day. Uh Sometimes it's a little overwhelming, and you have to kind of put it to the side for a second if it's not involving you directly. But, um, you know, as far as everybody on one team chat, we use that every day, and that kind of helps us keep connected as much as we can, uh, you know, working remote. So I think those are some of the things that we've done to kind of help with that area.
0: So what does, you know, I I was really interested in getting to talk to you because there's not a whole lot of uh, people like us who are intimately familiar with the association world and are technology nerds. And I say that because most association people are super people people and super people people tend to not be interested in uh, the nuts and bolts of I.T., so what do you think, maybe from a technology perspective, what technologies do you think associations are going to be leaning on more? What does a new normal look like, uh, for the association world? Uh, and in particular, what role does technology play in that?
1: Well, definitely the virtual offerings, um, is going to play a part and already has, I think. Um, and you can even tell that some of the, uh, vendors or, or the platforms that you contact and we're talking to now they're slammed, you know, because they're trying to offer the virtual offerings to a lot of different associations and organizations. Um, so that's one aspect, which is, again, it's already happening. Um, and, you know, the new rules about social distancing, um, you know, that that's going to play a part as well. Um, and then, one of the other things I think is probably, you know, making sure that we have applications and platforms that can really provide kind of a high-end uh, level of features and functions to kind of how we work with our members and non-members. So just looking at those kind of different things. Um, the third thing I'd probably say is, you know, just maintaining a current setup uh, for working remote and being flexible Um you know, if the pandemic spikes again. So, and that's mainly for internal purposes, but uh that would be another new normal, I think, that we're going to be having for hopefully not too long, but again, nobody knows yet.
0: Now, I know that your organization uh uses your office space quite a bit. I've been there before, and I think every time I've been at your office, there's been a networking event going on. Um But for organizations that maybe don't have that many in-office uh activities going on, do you think that the virtual office really, this kind of virtual setup really can work day-to-day, day-in, day-out for the foreseeable future?
1: I believe so. I mean, um it's imperative in the times that we're having now so, you know, if you can do it, I would say go for it, because, again, you just never know. And it doesn't take a pandemic. It can take other things that, you know, shut you down in, in a matter of, you know, one day. So you have to be prepared for that. And again, not all associations or organizations can do that. Uh, But if you can, it's something I would definitely recommend.
0: Yeah, as an example of something that uh, can shut you down, that you can discover in just a day, uh, I knew of an association downtown Austin who found asbestos and mold in their walls on the same day. Right. Uh, So you better believe that became um, a virtualized organization overnight. Right. So uh, that's one thing I'm trying to stress, and I hope Uh, association and nonprofit leaders will hear during this time is that if you're able to keep working during the worst of times, like right now, maybe you should be looking at whether you need a building at all. And some, like you said, some definitely do, but there's a lot of organizations out there that maybe don't. Yeah. So during this time, uh, do you is, has there been one particular tool? You'd mentioned uh teams, has there been one particular tool, service, something like that, that your organization has leaned on that you can point to and go, that's the thing, that's how we got through this?
1: Mm, well, probably several things. Um <laughs> but you know, uh yeah, Teams has helped a lot with just kind of keeping in touch with each other uh internally and working together. Um you know, cause you can do that with all staff or you can do it individually or you could do it with just a few folks. So that has definitely helped for sure. Um, and other than that, just, you know, the aspect that we, we already had like a online learning center that we used and they help us with, you know, basically our recordings of events and uh, educational events. And so, you know, we kind of had already had them and know how they work. And so they've been kind of helping us along with uh, making sure that anything we do uh, as far as virtual, you know, like webinars can be uploaded to their platform. And so we've been able to do that pretty quickly and that has helped as well.
0: Okay. So if there's any advice that you could offer to well, really anyone about, uh, who's trying to figure out what to do moving forward. And again, since you're in technology, I'm, I'm particularly interested in what kind of tech you would be recommending or what kind of technological thinking to be employing moving forward. But anybody who's planning, uh, their next moves for the, uh, for this unknowable future that we're moving into, what would it be?
1: Uh, probably the first thing I would recommend is making sure you establish emergency contingency plans because, you know, and it doesn't – that's not a one-size-fits-all. That's kind of for everything, and you can go from the smallest thing to uh, somebody's laptop crashed. Okay, what are you going to do now? Do you have a backup laptop? Can you use your personal laptop? Um, Is your platform's internal or are they in the cloud? And so thinking those small things through from losing a laptop uh if it crashes or, say, if you lose a staff person, um, you know, they win the lottery or they find a new job and they don't give you notice, what are you going to do? Do you have a documented process of everything they do? Um, You know, so you need to kind of – and if they leave, who's going to take on all those responsibilities? So if you can kind of establish different – uh, emergency, uh, backup plans, it's good to kind of have those documented so everybody, and you could kind of review those each year. And again, an emergency can be, emergency can be anything from, like you said, uh, asbestos to mold to earthquake, tornado, fire. So if you lose your building, what's your backup plan? And so, you know, those are some of the things I always think about is, you know, from the smallest to the largest. Um, it's the same thing about your data as far as the IT world goes. You know, the main thing you want to do, if you have a business and you have data, that data and that database is your heartbeat for the organization. So if you actually lose that, your, your organization is dead. And so right. would you have that data in a place where you don't have backups running and you can't, ha- you, you need a backup plan to, if something happens to that database that you can restore it and how long would it take and what would it affect? So thinking about all those, um, emergency issues that could come up is a good thing to kind of document. And, uh, and then, uh, the other thing I think I would recommend is basically making sure that your staff is prepared, uh, to work remote. If you can do that, um, And even test the process before a disaster strikes. So say if, oh, well, we've, we have this documented that we're going to work remote if something happens. Well, if you haven't tested it, you might want to do that. (laughs) So those are some of the things I think I would recommend. Um, And if possible, you know, if you have applications on servers in your office, you know, I think sometimes, there's organizations that really haven't invested in technology, and so they just kind of continue on with, okay, well, we're just going to leave our servers here and we'll still maintain them, and, you know, that's just how we're going to work. But if you can move that stuff to the cloud, that gives you an edge for any kind of emergencies or, you know, that that come up where you can work quickly and your staff can, you know, work from anywhere. So I think those are some of the things I think I would definitely recommend to other uh, associations and organizations.
0: Brian, I remembered a question I wanted to ask you earlier, but I forgot to. So I'm going to circle back. Um, one of the things I get, and it works, because you're, you're talking about making sure to move to the cloud. One of the pushbacks I hear when I encourage people to go to the cloud as often or with everything that you can, I get, well, two pushbacks. One, I feel more safe or more secure if my information is in a server that I can see in my office and two, what happens if we lose internet? What would you say to those?
1: Well, I understand it because I've seen that before um, and probably a very long time ago, maybe I was that way, but um, going through everything I've been in my, my experiences, I, you know, again, if they can move to the cloud, it, it's, a again, just a safer way because, you know, if you go with a reputable vendor that can, you know, um, store your information in the cloud and your application in the cloud, they have backups um, and they can go ahead and, you know, make sure that everything is working fine and, and backed up. The other thing I would suggest is that, you know, when you think about the money that you may spend on maintaining your own server, making sure it's upgraded um with the right you know operating system at the right time because I, a lot of I've worked with a lot of uh companies in the past and uh, another uh organization that I was with as a project manager for IT and a lot of them didn't really pay attention to the details of if you own your own server you have to take care of that stuff and there may be a time where you have to upgrade the operating system or even upgrade the server Cause those things have an end of life. And so if you're in the cloud, you kind of don't have to worry about that expense and maybe the cloud may be a little bit more expensive, but you got to kind of look at it as, well, maybe this is offsetting what I'm maintaining internally in my office versus what somebody else can do for me. And I don't have to worry about it. So those are some of the things I think I would, I would uh, comment about.
0: Well, oh, good. Well, I'm looking at the time, and uh, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Uh, I know we only set aside about half an hour. So, Brian, I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your perspective as an IT person in the association world, and I know other association people will as well.
1: All right. I appreciate it and appreciate your time as well.
0: Thank you for listening. I'm Dallas Emerson with the IT Guys, and this has been COVID Stories. I'd like to remind listeners that you have a COVID story and we want to hear it. Send me an email at dallas at itguysusa.com and let's set up a time to talk about your COVID story. Your story may be just the thing someone needs to hear. Thanks again.